Hello and welcome to Fragmenters, the most entertaining podcast that I've found where you get to have a conversation with business women who are enthusiastic about life, work, and money. We love building up other women and getting them ready for their new careers. Cause, 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 no one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it. Hello and welcome back to Fragmenters, my friends. I am so appreciative of all the reviews and I feel like you guys are out there sharing this podcast because it's getting to more listeners, which is super exciting. Another thing that's exciting is I'm here with Kadira Muhammad. She is a system implementation engineer. Now, let's say welcome and find out what the heck that is. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dina, for allowing me to be here. Happy to actually explain my super long titles, everybody, as we <laughs> move forward. <laughs> so what do you do as a system implementation engineer? So I go into small businesses. They hire me as a consultant and I audit their current automated or non-automated processes and systems when it comes to primarily marketing, client uh, uh, support, client onboarding, fulfillment. And I actually will create new processes for them. And once I create them, their actual plan, I can actually implement them for them. So actually the documentation, working with the teams to help them train them on the new process, as well as the tech side too, primarily automated marketing tools, automated fulfillment based tools. So that way they can save a lot more time and ideally save money at the same time. That is so necessary. I love automation. And I know a lot of people are afraid of it, that they're like, they're going to work me out of the job. But what I've learned in the role that I started in at the nuclear lab, I was doing so much manual work and I automated tons, at least in the teens processes that I was doing. And because those were then automated, I had so much more time to do the fun stuff. So I, I'm a huge proponent for automation in that regard. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, um, that, that part you said where people are like afraid of it or they don't understand it. They feel some type of way about it. That's what, like a lot of times it's the CEO that that's calling me or it's like their second, you know, person in command mm-hmm. who's like, look, we're growing, they're making money, but everybody's spending too much time doing all the same things. Usually it's not a lot of structure. But then to come in there and to be like, hey, you need this software or you need to change where this person is at in their position. They shouldn't be doing that exact task because they're better suited elsewhere. The change is so scary for people. And I'm like, I mean, I get it, but life is about change and or you're going to keep running at 100 miles per hour every single day because you have no real you're not using any type of tech. You're not using anything to help you. So you can do the fun stuff. Exactly like what you said. It's crazy. It's it's hilarious to me, but it's also, I understand it because people really don't like change all the time. Yeah. If you, I, I personally feel, and I could be wrong, but a lot of people who are afraid of change, because I used to be one, I used to have panic attacks. If someone tried to plan me a surprise party. If I didn't know or have control, I was a mess. And mine was definitely wounding and stuff that I had to work through on a personal level. And then I I embraced change because change was no longer scary 
it was growth. And I like how you put that with the business that they're just stuck. You cannot grow if you don't develop the processes or yourself (laughs) to get to the next level. Exactly. And we all like to have our levels of control. Ironically, I like to have my control. I like to, but I've learned that I can only really control myself um, and my thoughts and my reactions, my responses, things that happen, which helps. But you still like to have a little bit of control. You know, you, you don't want to. It, it's so funny how we can be in our own way in, in that in that sense, because we want to control every little aspect. That's probably if you were ever ask me, like, what's the hardest part of my job? It's that in getting people to embrace this new change, which ironically enough, you called me to help you give you the change. So it's like, why aren't you letting me do my job? Uh, sometimes you know what you want, but that doesn't make it easy. And you mm-hmm. have a hard job if you're the pioneer of change in places where you've never been before. Ooh, let, let me tell you something. That is an understatement. <laughs> when when I, I'll get the, see, the, the thing is I get the frantic calls. I get the frantic messages, the emails, you know, where, you know, the, the companies is stagnant or they're losing money. They're like, well, we have great clients. We have a good product. We have a good service. It's, that's never the issue. It's never the issue of finding, you know, people to buy their stuff and having a good solution for their customers and their clients. It's always the back-end stuff that they put to the side and they didn't want to focus on. Um, and when you're an entrepreneur, you're building your own business. I understand it because you want to get to the sales. You want to get to the customer. I get it. But the back-end stuff will come to haunt you. If you don't look it in the eye and say, okay, we're going to help you now. We're going to build you out now because that that's what gets to the generational wealth. A lot of people talk about nowadays. Mm -hmm. You can't even get there. if You can't even last if your business can't last in your generation in terms of being sustainable. And and many people underestimate how badly that'll be for their business when they don't focus on the process, the automation saving time, saving headaches. It all can happen, but you have to take the time to do that and you have to be open to embrace that. Yes. And I think it's smart to have someone come in because when it is your business, even if you've bought it from someone else and it becomes yours, it's your baby. And when you have these underdeveloped or non-developed processes, your baby's ugly and it's hard for you to see that <laughs> you need to have someone from the outside come in and be like, let me help pretty up your baby. Cause it's a mess. No, no, seriously. And it's like your baby's five years old and it can't walk. You know, right. your, your, your baby always has to be carried everywhere and it's 12 years old. And that's not what babies are supposed to do. They're supposed to be trying to walk, failing, and then doing it again until they can actually sustain themselves. And the baby has to grow up. They have to be a teenager. They have to be an adult. And they have to go out and do their own things. They got to get to a point where they don't need you anymore. Um, And we say that. A lot of entrepreneurs and business owners will say, you know, I want this to run without me. I want this to run without me. But then when when it's time to actually put that together so that way it can run without you, all of a sudden, well, no, we don't need that. No, that we, no, 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 no. I don't want to change that. We've been doing this. We've been doing this way, this way my whole life. You know, that's the way it is. And that's how it's going to be. Okay. And you're going to have a 16 year old crawling or something. You know, like, I mean, <laughs> I don't know what you thought was going to happen when you said you wanted this, but your actions don't align with what you say. Like, 
that's not how this works, my yeah. dear. That's not how it works. I love that you brought that up. I had a conversation recently with my sister kind of regarding that. We were talking about our all of our different businesses. And I was like, in a couple of years, I plan to just be able to leave for vacation and not have to have cell service and not have to worry. And they'll just run themselves. She's like, but you just, you started these businesses and you're so in them. I'm like, yeah, because it's brand new. I was like, I have an exit strategy for every business that I enter, even this podcast, which it doesn't make money. It's a passion project, but still, I know when I'm going to say quits. I have an exit strategy and I'm glad that you brought up almost every entrepreneur I know or that I've, you know, listened to their talks or whatnot. I don't know them. Um, they all say that they became an entrepreneur, one, because they have issues with authority and they want to do what they want. <laughs> And a lot of them say they want financial and time freedom. Mm -hmm. But saying you want time freedom and being able to unsheath from that product and business mm -hmm. and let someone else run it, I'm seeing a definite discord from what they say and their actions. Oh, absolutely. It's always a disconnect. It's always a disconnect. Um, I love what you said earlier that you have an exit plan. Because that is like the one of the least talked about things I've I've seen online, you know, as entrepreneurship and business has become really popular to talk about. Most people don't talk about the exit plan. Because even if they want the financial freedom, the time freedom, they kind of have this plan that they're gonna be in their business for the rest of their life. And that's just what they're gonna do. And the reality, there's there's two things I'm gonna say. Number one, it's probably not gonna happen. Because you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna pivot. Life is going to happen. Things things happen. I don't know what it is. It's family. It's children. You realize you want to spend more time with your family, or you have a totally different passion that comes up. You know, maybe you thought your calling or your purpose in life was this, but it ends up being something different, and now that changes everything. Mm -hmm. um, that's one reason people will exit their businesses. The second reason is because we all have a limit on this earth, and if you're talking about generational wealth, that means that the next generation is supposed to be able to take what you have. Right. So you do have an, everybody has a technical exit plan. It's just not the one that you probably think you have in your mind if you haven't planned for it. Right. You know, and if you can plan for it, you know, eventually you're not going to do this podcast anymore. You know that one of your businesses, you may sell them or uh, one of your businesses, you may keep it, but you'll just be the a shareholder. You won't be the CEO. You won't be doing the day-to-day -day activities to grow the company. You're just earning your, your check every quarter or every half year, however that works. If you don't have those plans in place, you're kind of just running in circles a bit yeah. because there is no, you're on a treadmill. If you don't want to think that you're a hamster, you're on a treadmill then. You're walking, <laughs> you know, you're running even. You take a break. You know, when you get on the side of a treadmill because it's going too fast, you're like, Okay, you take a quick break and you get a, you get back on it. That's what many of us are doing, but you're still not going anywhere. You're still in the gym. Yeah. You didn't yeah. move. It's it's you get stuck. And mm -hmm. people don't see it as stuck because they're like, I'm successful. I make multi-million dollars. I mean, when they get to that level, I'm not saying that, but <laughs> you know, they're like, I make multi-million dollars. What do you mean I'm stuck? 
Well, if you stepped down from this board and just took your quarterly or whatever check, you have all this freedom. You could start a new one or you could do less and just consume more of what you desire, not Mm -hmm. work for this business. If you, I'm glad you brought up exit does not mean quitting. Sometimes it does. Sometimes Mm -hmm. you got to kick the baby out and they're on their own and, you know, sell your business or whatever. And other times it's just stepping back and letting someone else take over, watching it fall and letting them pick themselves back up while you're on the outskirts. So I really, it resonates probably because I have four children, the baby analogy, obviously, yeah. because it, that's kind of what it feels like at first when you're building fresh or buying and it needs work, you have to be in there constantly, just all the time. And then as it grows and your people start to trust you and they start to trust themselves, then they're able to manage it on their own. We're talking the eight to teenager zone. And then finally, when you can exit, you just stand back and then your, your baby's a grown up doing its own thing. There you go. Having its own life, expanding on its own. You don't have to be right there. Um, I, I love, I really, I love that analogy. I don't have children myself, but I mean, I was a child, so I can get it. Yes. <laughs> you know, I, I can think of I it hope so. This yeah. would be a totally, di- <laughs> this would be a weird tangent if you weren't. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, most people consider it like that when it, when it comes to their, their baby. Like, my business is my baby, my business is my baby. Okay, but the baby is supposed to grow up and be able right. to do things without you. And, and that's what we for, either forget or we ignore. And that stuck part, I have a, a per- I personally hate being stuck. Mm-hmm. In any facet of my life, business, personal, emotional, physical, all that relationships, relationships. I hate the feeling that I am that I am stuck and I can't move. Mm-hmm. It's it's one thing if it's like a plateau. It's a whole different thing when it's like it feels like there's a block in front of me, but there's also a block behind me, and I'm just you know block to the side and I can't move. I hate that which is why I love helping people get out of the stuck scenario because it shocks them. Cause I usually help people who are already making maybe five, 10,000, 15,000 per month. It's relatively consistent and either they're solo or they have like a couple team members, but it's just not that big. Mm-hmm. And one of the their issues is when they get to that level and they realize they're in the exact same place that they were like three months ago, six months ago. And that's when it's like, ding, 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 something's wrong here. Mm-hmm. I don't understand. Um, I'm making $10,000 a month, but I'm working like 80 hours a week. You know, the clients are coming in, but somehow when I get the client, I'm still not getting more clients. It's always the same number every month. You know, I, I can replace the client with a new client, but I have to replace that new client with another new client. And it just, it keeps going on from there. And they're like, well, it's not a money issue, so to speak, but there's got to be something else that I'm missing. And then that's when they realize that they're stuck. They don't have that solution. And it, it all comes down to you haven't built out the back end. And you're just, you're doing stuff at this point. And that's that feeling of being stuck when you feel like you're running 100 miles an hour, but you don't realize you're still on the treadmill. Mm-hmm. You, haven't, you haven't really gotten out and you haven't done what's necessary to take that energy and take a better pathway so you can really go where you want to go. 
if that's more money, then it's money. But if that's more time which, uh, for their families, which is usually what people want, right. um, they want that money so they can buy their time. But they're taking a, a bit of a longer route if they're not figuring out how to use a system in their favor. Right. And you don't know what you don't know. <laughs> exactly. So you said you don't like being stuck. So I'm sure a lot of this comes to you naturally, but do you have formal education in it as well? Somewhat. So I uh, I went to Bowling Green State University. I graduated with a Bachelor's of Science and Technology. Mm -hmm. And there I also took a minor in marketing. And so a lot of my degree was in learning technology and being able to actually use it, implement it for myself. And then it really geared us to be able to do it for other people. Kind of more on a freelancer, kind of creator route. It just kind of depended on what people wanted to do. Specifically with me, I taught myself how to code. I took more coding classes because I initially thought I was going to be like a web developer and literally building out applications, building websites, building software for other companies. So that's where the, the tech side comes in. And then when I graduated college back in 2019, um, and when nobody was responding to me for a job, and I was like, um, I don't know what's going on, but y'all are crazy. I just, <laughs> I just spent like $30,000 to get this degree and y'all not calling me. So what I decided is I, I just wanted to go and um, just start a business myself. I didn't have any children. I wasn't married. I wasn't in a serious relationship at the time. And so I'm like, well, that seems like a nice amount of time. We might as well just try it, see what happens. Worst case scenario, I'll go back and live with my parents for a quick bit and we'll get a, you know, we'll try to chat. Have a reset. Uh, exactly. I'm like, we'll just see what happens. I don't know. Worst case scenario, I'll knock on my dad's door. It's okay. Uh, but it actually worked out very well. I specifically went into digital marketing, but what got me into systems was when I would work with my marketing clients and I would help them get more leads, get more clients that way, they always had a problem of, they stuck. They they spent a lot of their own time calling the clients, closing the clients, working with their their um, their sales team if they had one, or really just like their front office, like their receptionist people. And I'm like, why are y'all doing all that? You know, th this should be a little bit easier for you if you're if you're having the momentum in that way. In my mind, and so I would help my own clients with this. I would look out for software for them. I'm naturally tech align my mom's like studying to be a cloud engineer right now my dad fixes whole computers himself so tech and figuring stuff out is, is very natural to me and so when i would find software i'd integrate it for them and then i would teach their teams how to do it i would train them on how to do it so they'd have it even after you know if it didn't work out with me and them mm -hmm. and um that's what led me back in 2021 to just go full steam ahead and helping companies put operation, operational systems together and leverage technology because it was a real gap. And I fell in love with it a lot more than, than just straight marketing. It was, it was a little bit more of a passion and a natural skill set of mine. That I love hearing people's, I had a hundred thoughts that just happened. Sorry. <laughs> I love hearing people's stories, especially when they have, they have that pivot, that pivotal moment where they're like, this is what I'm doing. This is what's happening. And they're in that, in that journey, they discover that they're actually more passionate about something else and they pivot and change. And then their life trajectory just goes 
nobody can see me. So I got to do the mouth. Yeah. <laughs> it, it just goes so much faster because you find that, first of all, you found a niche that nobody was filling, which is the best thing to do is if you can find a problem and fix it, you're going to make money. But Absolutely. second, you have the cojones to do it. <laughs> a lot of people are scared <laughs> to go out there and do something that's not there. Oh yeah. It it, it was um it's so funny because I was trying to find people who did this. Cause mm-hmm. I'm like, well, what are y'all doing? You know, how are you putting it together? Cause it was so new to me to even think about doing it for other people. I found like three people. I'm like, what's what's going on? How come <laughs> I'm like, are y'all secret? And a part of it is because anybody who's in this field is probably super nerdy and they're probably really just not online like that, which I realized I'm like, okay, that's one thing. But the second thing is it's not really talked about. And I think I've noticed, and I don't know if this is just because you attract what you what you love anyway. So like I love systems, so now I, I, I hear systems and everything. But in my opinion, I think people are talking about it a little bit more and they're or at least they're thinking about saving their time. They're thinking about longevity. They're thinking about sustainability. They're thinking about, is this really going to last? And I love those conversations because it makes you ask a hard question for yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen, you know, due to the last two years, we've seen a lot of companies that have shut down that have been here for years, decades, centuries even. And they are shutting down left and right or they're you know they're laying off people and it makes you rethink okay is my business set up to really last past me but then another question I think is is that what you even really want because you have to really question that it's it's really easy to to flow into the hype of I'm gonna be my own boss I'm gonna be an entrepreneur I'm gonna own a business it's gonna last past my myself it's gonna last past my children 70% 70% of wealth is lost in the second generation that inherits it. About a third generation, the vast majority of it is gone. And we see that happen over and over and over again. And most people's businesses, again, they have 16-year-old babies that are still crawling. <laughs> yeah. Be- you know, because they haven't done what's necessary to help them run on their own. And so I think a big question that people have to have is, do you really want your business to last that long? Is that really what you want? Or do you just want more time so you can spend with your husband, spend with your wife, spend with your children as they get older, spend, you know, you want to go swim out on the ocean every single week, you want to take a vacation every single month. Is that really what you want to have happen? Because we're not, the discussion has to be, are you really aligned with what you say you want to do? And you, you referenced that earlier. that disconnect that's the real question i think that needs to be talked about people having an honest conversation of is this really generational wealth or do you want to just make enough so you can be happy and then you can you know get some life insurance policies and have something for your children and that could be the wealth that you pass down to them yeah just teach them some financial education so they know what to do with the money and they don't end up going in a bad way and then that could be it I mean, it doesn't have to be like super, you know, difficult or it doesn't have to be super huge all the time. Right. I love that you brought up that life insurance policy. I talked to someone before and she brought up trusts because Mm -hmm. starting businesses and building an empire 
and planning for your children to have it and take it over, it it doesn't really resonate with me because that's controlling and planning who they are. My children, yeah. only one of the four, I mean, one's 10, but only two of the four so far want to do businesses, but they don't want to do anything like ours. One wants mm-hmm. to be an electrician and have his own electrical, not electrical company, but doing electrical work. And another mm-hmm. one wants to be a baker. And I don't want to get into food at all. There are way too <laughs> many things that go into that, but they have no interest in taking over our dry cleaner. So if yeah. I build this up and I'm like, I'm going to give it to my kids, it's going to fail. I And I know that I have to know that, but I know a lot of people are like, we own businesses. It's like the third generation already. They're like, mm-hmm. this is what our family does. Well, no, because people are changing and it's much more about the here and now and less of the legacy. That's not nearly as important. And I'm so glad you brought up the big C word in the last two years because that shook. I want to say the United States, but it shook the world. It 1 million percent showed you that your life can change in an instant. Not only how precious it is because so many were lost and and Mm -hmm. young and just like, how did this even happen? But businesses were forced to close down and they had no say in it and they had to pivot. They're like, I've always been open. I've always had this business and now I have nothing and no income. So it wasn't just that we were forced to live in the now and be like, I could be gone tomorrow. I want to do what I want. It was also, I thought that having this business would keep me safe and I would be secure forever, but it's not. It's not. And that helps you do the questions of, is it really what I want? Knowing now that it's not what I was told it would be. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I love how you mentioned people are now, they're paying attention more to the present experiences versus legacy. And you understanding that your own children probably are not going to want the business or the businesses that you have right now because they just, that's not their interest. That's not what they naturally want. And we look, I mean, outside of this, we look at, you know, the, the people who have the family business and it runs the world or it's, it's very huge. And, and they're like, well, that's what I want. Do you know how much work emotionally, let alone physically, but a lot of the emotional and psychological work it takes to actually really do that. Um, I, I've never been behind the scenes, but I know it's it's way deeper than what people see right now. Oh yeah, because because you're choosing as a, if you're a child of somebody who's successful in business, and that person wants you, your parent wants you to take over that business, then you effectively are really working their dream. Yeah, and that's where that control comes in, and you know it's one thing to give your children the option. But then if you want them to really just take it over, how much, I mean, you know, that takes a lot of like nurturing from the beginning of trying to, you know, what's the word, Uh, mold them into this person you want them to be. And they just may want to be an artist Mm -hmm. and that's it. 
And like, you could teach them how to make more money with their art. So that way they can do art and have fun, but also, you know, still make the money they need to make so they can pay their own bills and be a full, you know, adult, have their family and all that. But when you try to shut that out, which is what you're kind of doing to push this agenda that you have as a parent, are you doing more harm than good? Because I see those families and a lot of them be breaking up. They don't, they're strange. They don't talk to each other. They make a lot of money. Their businesses are extremely valuable to the marketplace. Yes. But they're not happy. Right. And some could say, well, not everything in life is happy. Okay. But I'm pretty sure most people want to live their life for themselves. Yes. For their own happiness. I mean, at the end of the day, we're naturally self-interested because that's, I mean, it's us. What are you talking about? You know, like you have to be. And that's, that's making me think right now, because are, are we really giving our children the, the option? Or are we trying to make them be, be formed into this mold that we have already set up? And the mold isn't even that good. Yeah. I'm when, when you were talking about that, I was thinking of the Hiltons. Paris Hilton, she had to go into her, her business. And we saw in the, I think it was late 90s, early 2000s, where people were talking bad about her because she was out partying and she was out doing all these things. And I can see how being brought up and knowing that this is your your path. This is your life, whether you like it or not. I have so much compassion for her and her quote unquote rebellious season in her life because she knew she had no choice and Mm -hmm. she is incredibly intelligent. She played a role, but she is incredibly intelligent and she learned so much from the generations before her. But I really feel that we were watching a child who who wanted to do something else and was going against family to do it and then ultimately conformed and is running what she's doing. I've seen, I've just now started seeing Hilton commercials with her in them again. So I know she's getting back into it. But when you were talking about that, that's what I think of the very prestigious and expected to be a certain way with the marketplace and just culturally and then you have this one person go in and there are other that she like I said ended up being incredibly intelligent and wanting to take over when she got older but I've seen companies that are amazing and have brilliant ROIs and you just wish that you could have that and they pass it down to their child Mm -hmm. and in five years it's imploded and it's shut down And that's when yeah. you force them to do it. And it's just not for them. It doesn't work with everybody. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. work with everybody. You have to give them the option to do something else or else they're just going to regret it. There's resentment. There's regret. There's ultimately depression. There's sadness. I mean, it's just, you don't want to constrain your children before they even know what you even really do right. in, your, in, your, in your business. You know what this reminds me of while you were talking? It reminded me of like child stars. Those that are like, literally, they're like a couple years old and they're acting in, you know, whatever TV show it is or movie or something. 
And then they just stay acting for the rest of their lives. And because they've been doing it so long, it's like a question of like, why do anything else? But then you see how they, they allow them to have a lot of mental issues, mm-hmm. emotional issues. They deal with anxiety, depression, so much of that on their own. And it, 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 I'm like, well, they've been doing this since they were a child. But how much does a child, like, it's, I thought I wanted to be probably as a dinosaur or something, you know, when I was a child. <laughs> yes. You know, does that mean you're going to throw me out in the forest and, you know, buy me like one of them toy tails or something? I'm like, I mean, that's not what's going to happen, you know? So did they really want to be acting? Did they really want to do any of that? Or did you just see the opportunity and they did it one time kind of successfully and then you chose that career for your for your family you know did you make them sing you know you see a lot of singers the same thing started singing at 10 12 14 they probably just thought it was fun they had the talent but did that mean they really wanted to do this right. and and now they're locked in contracts sometimes the perpetuity and so they have to keep doing this they have to keep showing up um, and now we see this rise of like independent artists trying to take their masters back, own you know their rights and everything, and not be so stuck again in these contracts and being forced to do something versus just doing something for fun. And yeah, that just really made me think about child actors, child singers, because it's again putting people in a mold and putting people in a role that they didn't ask for necessarily. Yep, I love that. There being more since the Me Too movement, I see a lot of things being brought to light that I didn't know of before. And I think a lot of people weren't like what you brought up, how child acting has really affected people later. And the book, have you heard of the book called I'm Glad My Mom Died by Jeanette McCurdy? Oh, yes. The um, the one that played in I probably. Yes, I did. So I have not read it, but I am so excited too, because it touches on that and how, not that she was forced into it because initially she liked it, but how her mom used her and everything that she made and is bringing to light that that does happen, that these, Mm. I, I almost said child slavery, that is not the case, but it's definitely child labor that's forced against their will and they're able to because they're their guardians and they're like yes this is best for them and we're finding out that it might not actually be so it's bringing to light these issues that us growing up I hate to speak for everyone so myself growing up I'm like man I would kill to be up there or Britney Spears going from Mickey Mouse Clubhouse to this amazing singer and then finding out on the back end everything that happened to her no wonder she shaved her head and and had to be medicated and then over medicated so she could be compliant that the things that are out there and it's being brought up into the public i think is such a great such a great thing that's going forward with yeah. society <laughs> you're we're learning how much uh you really just can't force people to be in, in a role that they don't want to be right and when I think about like working with my own clients who often say they want to be able to pass it down to their children, it also goes back to what are you really even trying to pass down? And is that really what you're trying to do? Because you can build systems in a business and you can build processes in a business without the intention of it lasting forever. Right. You can make your money and 
Go on vacation. I don't know. I mean, hey, I, I just got back from a vacation in uh, in Zanzibar, Tanzania. I was in Africa for about, about a week mm-hmm. and everything was running. I didn't bring my laptop. It was great. And I loved it. And I was like, I'm going to do this more often. I have to. I'm in the middle of hiring more for myself because that's what I like. You know, the experiences, being present. I'm pretty sure my own business is not going to last past me. I don't think I really want that anyway. I think I want the financial aspects to be, you know, good for my family. Mm -hmm. And they're set. And I'll be able to teach them, you know, my own children eventually when I have them how to handle their finances and how they can use it for their own benefit for whatever they really want to do and whatever that looks like for them. And that's just an honest thing. It's not, it's not to last for six generations. It just isn't because that's not what I want. That's a lot of work too, uh, to think that far ahead and then really plan for that in the future. Um, But yeah, so that, that is, it's a constant thing. I think we don't, we don't talk about it, but we, we say we want the we want the wealth, we want the longevity, we want this for our children, but do your children even want it? How are you gonna know? They're like two years old. How how then I or they're not even here yet. Right. We gotta be honest with ourselves. Yep. I love it. So you said that you weren't getting jobs and that's why you decided to go out as an entrepreneur. So I'd like to know what your biggest obstacle doing that was, but then I'd like to know what helped you most. Gotcha. My biggest obstacle, ironically enough, it was gaining clarity on what I was, like my real vision for what I was doing this for. You know, I could say getting the clients and all that, but kind of just comes. I didn't always have the clearest clarity because I I started it initially because nobody was, hiring or at least they weren't calling me back when they said like that they were clearly hiring but they didn't call me back but it's fine no 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 offense taken (laughs) but I needed a bit more clarity on what's the real reason and how do I really want this to happen and what helped me is when I realized I was doing this for my future family and then also for the family I have now so I'm an only child I'm the only child of my of my parents they've been married for like 27 years I absolutely love them and I know that their careers, like, I want them to be able to retire earlier than what their pension people say, you know, like mm-hmm. 65, 67, 68, you know, they're in their early 50s. And I'm like, I don't, I want them to be taken care of because I started noticing a lot of the people in my college town who would work at Walmart, Tim Hortons, Starbucks, the local dollar store. They were all people who are like 50, 60, 70. Yeah. People who I thought they were supposed to be retired by now. Because I'm thinking about my own grandparents. I'm like, my grandparents don't work. You know, they, they still get like a monthly check or something. And I was like, isn't that just how it's supposed to be? And I'm like, oh, a lot of people it's not. And they don't have enough money to be able to retire. Or maybe their retirement, like the 401ks were invested in the wrong thing. And so it got lost. I mean, that did happen to quite a few people, especially in 08, 09. And I'm like, okay, that means that's not dependable then to work necessarily at one place, unless it's like really highly skilled and in a very, like kind of one of those forever type industries. I'm like, I got to make sure that my parents are taken care of because I also don't have like other siblings 
that I could coordinate with and help with. I don't have a lot of cousins, you know, like it's a, it's, I have a pretty small family. I'm like, okay, I, I want to make sure they're taken care of. And that became like the forefront of my mind. And when I had that clarity, everything else kind of got a lot easier, quite frankly. Figuring out the client stuff, I would hire coaches, consultants. I would, I would go to um, conferences. I would buy courses and everything. That got figured out. But it started with me knowing what's the, the real vision behind this? Like, why are you doing this? And, you know, for me, it wasn't for all the way generational wealth. It was like, for the people I know right now, that's what this is for. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it became, the, the second reason became, I want to have enough time for my future family whenever they get here. Because I see, you know, if you don't, you're not financially able you have to work you have to maybe place your children in daycare and that's just what you have to do in order to take care of yourself but then your children miss a lot of you and I know I'm going to be around them I know I'm going to want more than one you know so I'm like okay let me work on this now and sacrifice now and do all the things and all that stuff will get figured out I mean it always does and if I just keep going and working and also putting in processes and systems for myself, then I will be able to have the time. And it's, I got to tell you, it's funny. I say that because I literally sat down with an interview with the, um, somebody I'm thinking about hiring. And I told her, I said, look, you know, I need somebody to help me get me out of my own head because I have the same problem. I just can help other people, but then I'll be the last person on my list. I mean, it's hilarious. And I'm like, I'll get to it, but it's like, I got to make sure that I'm together. So that way the business is together, everybody can get paid and I can go home early. I can be on vacations without having cellular, uh, you know, any devices, any internet. I won't be able to go. I won't be able to leave, come back. Everything is still fine. And so that's always like my North Star, why I just do anything. Mm-hmm. I love that you just admitted that you had to hire someone to help you do what you help others do, because I feel like. It's kind of like the mechanic. He always works on everyone else's cars, yep. but he has the biggest hoopty there is. Because <laughs> absolutely, by the time it comes to your shit, you're tired. You don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> no, seriously, you're exhausted. You're like, why am I doing this? I, I or you like, I can make money, you know, doing this for somebody else. Why focus on me? But in my situation, I'm like, nope, uh, uh-uh. <laughs> it's not gonna work. I'm not, I'm not going to have me out here working 40, 50 hours. I don't even like working that much. Mm-hmm. I don't even, I like sleeping in. I like going to bed early. I mean, I I just do. I like having weekends off. I don't want to do all that. And I can't just, I have to be able to focus on me just as much as I focus on my clients and the people that I help as well. Yeah. So what's helped you most? What's helped me most um, is actually journaling a lot. So when for my clients when I work with them and they ask me you know what's kind of the steps that they can take to start automating or start hiring or start documenting for me it always starts with journaling and what I do is I'll write down what I did for that day what got accomplished what didn't get accomplished and what I shouldn't have been doing you know among like how I feel about it and everything else that tells me And it gives me a very clear idea of these are some areas that we need to either hire out, either hire a person, or we need to hire software. 
We need to, you know, get some type of technology that can automate this process. And before we even hire or get the tech, we want to first actually record it. We want to either write it down. We want to record a video. So we have that documentation of how, how does it get done right now? Once I know that, everything else becomes a lot easier because you are very clear. It's gaining that clarity that that is the most important first step in anything. Because I know from my experience of feeling stuck myself, it's because there was a lack of clarity in there. There was something I didn't know, even if it was right in front of me. And you have to take that step back so you can take like 10 steps forward. And most people skip it. And I'm like, you go straight to the tech. Because the thing is, you'll get the software and now you're paying like $100 a month for something. And you don't even really know what you want it to do. And now it's just there. Right. And you're like, I, I got it though. I have the CRM. I have the, the MailChimp. I have the this and that. Okay. Are you using it? <laughs> is it? Is it doing what it's supposed to do? Well, I mean, I sent one email or I did this one thing. That's not how it works. Supreme clarity is the first beginning for anything. It's always the beginning for me. I go back to journaling. If I haven't done it for a while, I got to go back to it. Because writing your thoughts down, you're now confronting your own mind. And see, it, it can be a lot easier to judge other people and have a comment or even just solve problems for other people versus ourselves because it's outside of us. And so we have that level of, of objectivity. Yes. So when you write in that journal, you're now confronting yourself. And if you can read it as if you're just talking to somebody else, you'll be able to say, oh, wait a second, this does not make any sense. Mm -hmm. why, why was I on like three customer support calls? They're important. It needs to happen. But could we hire somebody that can take care of that? You know, do we have, you know, do you need a, a general administration assistant who can take care of these things, who can send those emails out? Okay, is that the type of job position? Okay, great. Let's write out what they're supposed to be doing every single day. What's that process for them? What's that documentation? Because now that's your IP. That's, that becomes your intellectual property that stays with you. And this is how you start to automate and gain back your own time freedom. But it, it all starts with that clarity. Yep. I love it. Love it. Love it. So I was looking into your position to see if it's male dominated, but like you said, there's not very many that do this work. So yeah. I know being a C-suite, owning a company, being in any type of tech automation or engineering is all male dominated. It is. So I would like to know. Do you feel it's important for more women to enter this role? I think so. And the reason I think so is because of our inclination to empathy. And we have a, how do I say this? I know when I, most of my clients tend to be men, uh, at least on the one-on-one -on -one side. Right. And Oftentimes, they, you know, they want to build the process. They want the systems so they can, their business can work faster so they can make money. Right. And they stick to that. But I know because I'm really listening to them. And I'm listening to what they're not saying. So a client will come to me, okay, you know, I'm spending all these hours on this thing with, you know, my customers and this process, da, da, da. You know, I want help here. Okay, great. Why do you want that help there? Like, if you have more time, what are you going to be able to do? 
And for me, when they, they start answering, they're like, well, I just want the, I just want this to work more. I just want this to, to happen more for me. I want to be able to spend more time on this other thing. Okay, let's say you're able to do that other thing. After that, why is this important to you? And we get to the fact that they want to be able to go to their seven-year-old little um, like hockey games or basketball games or football games. And they don't want to be working on the weekends when they're supposed to be going on date night with their wives. Mm-hmm. They want to be able to show up more for their mother or father who's getting a lot older. And they know they may not have a ton of time and they want to be more present. And they may not always say that directly, but it comes out in kind of the little things if you just notice it. Yeah. And these are just things I think a lot of a lot of other men just wouldn't really be able to pick up on. Not because they're not capable. It's just, it's very, it's, it's very natural as a woman to be able to do that. And when I understand what a client is really doing this for, then that helps me figure out how to create their processes that lets them do that thing. Because I don't do it the same for everybody at the same time. It's always a little bit different, a little bit unique, because people absorb information differently and people communicate differently. Just have different work styles and you have to uh, customize it to that. And so I think if more women come into this, they can provide that level of understanding that is more, it's a, it's a soft skill, but it's extremely important mm-hmm. because everybody's just going to say they want more time because they want more money. Everybody's going to say that. Right. And on the surface level, it makes sense. But money is a tool, just like a hammer. Like if you go into Home Depot or something and you're buying a hammer, you're not buying a hammer because you just like hammers. I mean, it's just <laughs> unlikely that you're a hammer collector and you're just buying hammers and you just like, you know, this was a really nice looking hammer. So you got the hammer. No, you got the hammer because you wanted to hammer in a nail. Okay. Yes. That's what you wanted to do. Why are you hammering in a nail? Are you doing it because you're hanging a painting or are you doing it because you're building a house that changes things? Yeah. That's, that's entirely different. And that means there's more that you require after you get this hammer. You probably just don't need the hammer. If you're building a house. Okay. You need what I would. This is outside of my scope. <laughs> this becomes this metaphor is too is too big for me. But I'm sure there's a bunch of other stuff that you need that's also at Home Depot more than just the hammer, mm-hmm. you know. And then it's more than just the tools. Do you have the right team that can install the plumbing, electrical? I'm sure you're trying to help me with this part. All those things, the the pipes, all that. You're gonna need people for that, and that changes how we get this hammer that changes why we just get this hammer and so the same concept applies to the clients themselves and when you have somebody who can see that far you i mean i can really think for my clients that's one of my biggest superpowers Mm -hmm. as i get to know them i ask them deeper questions and i I get to the point okay i see what you don't even see and I think it's a very keen kind of woman thing that you can kind of see and think for other people because you kind of have that when you're raising children, you're, you're having taken care of a family, you got to think for all of them, even if they're not even considering that and they may not even think it's important when you say it, but when it gets done, they're like, oh yeah, no, I really like that. That's That was really needed. Yeah, I yeah. love that so much. It makes me think of my husband. One time we were talking about I wish that we could swap brains. He was like, I just want to know your brain for one day. And I was like, you would come back and 
you would spontaneously combust because he always says that in his mind, he has boxes. And so when he's at work, he opens his work box and he does his work things. He closes the box and then he does the next thing. And he Mm -hmm. says that I have spaghetti brain because it's just a bunch of spaghetti noodles in there and they all attach and I can just go from Mm -hmm. one thing to another and not have any issues. And I was like, if we switched for a day, you would come in and all of your boxes would be open and your papers would be everywhere because I have to know everything all at once. So I kind of, when you were saying that women think differently, I was just looking that analogy because men are like, I need a hammer because I have a nail because they're in the hammer and nail box. They're not in the building a whole house box, but I also love it because while you're doing this, you're also seeing the vision for the company. And if they are just desiring to be more organized and staying as is, you will come at them with different softwares and different solutions than if they plan on franchising and going global. Exactly. And asking the same questions, you can find out the business as well as the personal trajectory and how to help them. That's you're a smart cookie. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Oh my goodness. And that's exactly it. You know what's funny? Just to comment on the <laughs> on your husband in the boxes. Uh-huh. I think the other thing is the boxes are, can be so simple for them. And it's like, it's just one box. Mm-hmm. And then you open it and you do what you need to do and you close it and you open the next one you do what you need to do and you close it. Whereas when you're a woman and you're thinking for so many people, it's like, it's not spaghetti. It's like 1300 boxes open at the same time. Cause you're just working on so many things at the same time. Mm-hmm. And we may just be working so fast. You think it's everywhere, but it's like, uh, 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 because you think you're simple. <laughs> and it's like, and you think doing all this is simple and it's straightforward. And it's not cause you're dealing with like, you have four children. So you're dealing with six people at minimum. I'm not even considering like, your family and if you have any siblings and all all the other people people in business co-workers yeah yeah that's that's a lot of boxes yeah because everybody's different and see that's a very that leads me to another thing so working with my clients and when they think that their problems are very simple because they're like we just need this one software but we just don't have the time to put it in and it's, it's never that simple. Mm-hmm. It's never that you need this one thing. You think you need this one thing because that's all that you're, you're like lasered in and that's all you can really see. And you, you know, that's like, you have like a messy house and you think the only thing you need is the vacuum it. And it's like, that's not the only thing. Your stuff is everywhere. Your couches are peeling. I mean, what's, what's the stain here? This doesn't make any sense. What's the smell? The trash is, no, you think you just need vacuum. The whole place needs to be cut it you need one of them quarter you know shows to come so they can bring all the, the people that can get rid of all the stuff i don't know what's it called but they come and do all that junk removal that's what you need it's not a vacuum that's a right thing we need. <laughs> after you finish everything then that's when you vacuum but when they're very lazy then they can't think that way mm-hmm. and it's a part of my job to let them know like hey this is a problem this is a problem this employee she really shouldn't be doing this position. They should be doing something else entirely. They're overworked. They're exhausted. Because they're not in a place that allows them to be in their zone of genius. Right. Which means you 
as a CEO can also not be in your zone of genius. And you think the answer is to automate what they're doing so they can do their job better. And the, the answer is move them to a different place so they can do better at what's their natural skill set. And you need to organize this position even more because they probably are doing three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten jobs. Right. Little by little. Which is natural when you're a small business. Sometimes that's just what ends up happening. But if you want to have longevity, you got to put people in positions that allows them to succeed before they get burnt out and they end up wanting to just leave and they're just tired of it all. Which fortunately does happen as well. It does. I love that you brought up the laser focus and that's another reason to hire someone in because if if you have decided that your problem is you need a CRM to contact people and that's what you hire and you think that this is the magic pill that's going to fix your business when really your software is 20 years out of date. So it doesn't matter, you know, mm-hmm. how how you can contact people. You can't even handle more customers because your software is so old that it takes too long and you you would just have more pissed off customers. That's all you'd get. So oh, it's absolutely. great to have that outside look to say, yes, you're right. This is a problem. But exactly. Like you said, you your dumpster's on fire. <laughs> like and you throw- think it's just I mean, it's on fire and you think it's like a candle or something like right. that's not that's not how it works. And the other thing is when people jump to tech immediately, and I'm like, that's not it's probably not the tech issue, mm-hmm. you know, and people always say to tech, I'm like, no, you're either using it wrong or you pick something you don't actually need and you're just mad that you're paying for it now. And. Also, you just dumped it on your team to figure it out, but you don't really have somebody on your team that actually knows how to do that. Right. That, that'll that happen a lot when a business owner, you know, they may have two, three, four people, but you don't, you may not have somebody on your team that can just adopt technology like that. Right. And that's just being honest. And that means you need to hire a professional who can either teach them and train them on it, or you need to hire a consultant that, needs, that can tell you, did you even really need this to begin with? Did you really think it through when it came to getting this tech, whatever it is? Did you get upsold? Those are the worst. You only That's, needed this and then you got a million things and you're paying quadruple and you didn't need none of it. <laughs> exactly. And I'm like, you just, it's the height, it's the FOMO of it all. You know, I, I get marketer. I started as a marketer, so I know. Mm-hmm. And I mean, sometimes that the messaging is really nice and like, it really is good. And I'm like, did you really need that though? Or did you just need this $39 thing? Right. Not the 120, not the 150, not the 200, 300 thing. Really think about it, you know, and think about, are you actually going to use it? That's, there's so much tech. I mean, I, I go through inventory every now and again. So I'm like, am I even using this? But I'm not, if it's not making me money, if it's not saving me time. Why do I have it? Right. I don't want to pay for it. Yep. So if someone wanted to enter your field, because it's such a need out there, apparently, that I didn't even know was needed, how would you, what advice would you give them? If you want to enter this field, I would first figure out if you want to focus on 
the systems and operations side or just a tech side or if you want to do both because mm-hmm. then that'll kind of determine where I think you should start to learn about this if you want to focus just on operations and systems I actually would suggest working for a company in their operations department to see what it looks like from the inside because that's actually something I wish I would have did And I've been thinking about going back and getting my uh, master's or something in operational management because I started out the gate with just owning my own business. I had a couple of jobs in college, but I never really worked in corporate. The most corporate thing I did was when I worked uh, for New Balance in one of their parent corporations in uh, St. Louis, Missouri. And I did that for a few months in college. That's the most corporate I ever did. And I wasn't there long enough to actually really understand kind of that culture and especially nowhere near the operations level. You want to have that experience because you want to see what it looks like when it's done right. So you have that point of view. I'm super tech-based and that was natural. And I can learn that on the fly. I can learn that courses and then just really just doing it myself. And I just, I get it. I mean, I taught myself how to code. I'm pretty sure I could teach myself how to learn pretty much any tech, any software and really how it works. So deciding if you want to go more operational focus versus tech focus and figuring out which one of those paths there are, if it's operationals, I would work for a company for like a year or two and see what that really looks like, especially if they're one of those that, that'll pay for like your, um, your schooling yeah. and, you know, cons- consider getting the master's. I'm not saying everybody needs it, especially if you're going to run your own business. You don't always need it, but it can help you a lot in just being able to provide a better service for your clients. And then if it's tech focused, you may want to consider like, actually you can go on like upward. There's a lot of people who are like, they need this thing implemented and just try it, you know, do it for yourself first, you know, a couple of times and then try it for somebody else. You will learn via the experience extremely fast. Mm-hmm. And then if you're already naturally inclined, you'll, you'll pick it up a lot faster because believe it or not, when it comes to tech implementation, a lot of it is just Googling the answer. And yes. it's talking to the support team of the technology. Now, I, I may have just given away. I may have just, all the clients that were going to come to me for this, they may have been like, I'm not going to work anymore. I'm going <laughs> to just Google it. First of all, you may think that's what I'm worried about. I'm not. Because some people just don't want to deal with it. And I understand it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, I'm sure I have to fix a tire, but if you think I'm going to fix this tire, I'm not. No. It, this, this, this tire, I could, be, I could be driving on the road and this tire, something happened, I got pulled over. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a damsel on this stress thing. I'm gonna be like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> somebody will help me. Same. I, got, I mean, I have no shame in that because I just, I, no, I have AAA for a reason. You know, like I just, I don't want to. And people, you know, I could, probably unclog a toilet or something no I'm gonna call my landlord they fixed it I just don't want to do that so that's the same thing like most people don't want to deal with it they just want it to work which I fully understand it's a lot of googling it's a lot of stack overflow which for anybody who doesn't know is a very popular support channel for anything technology related um, I use it all the time and it's just contacting the support team and they'll 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 show you pretty much anything and you're still the hero (laughs) and it works just like that I think it's so funny you brought that up I used to in my old 
my previous life when I worked at a gold mine, I was IT. And when people would meet me, they're like, hey, what do you do? And I would tell them I'm a professional Googler. <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> yeah. I had to set up and implement VM servers and I had to set up all this stuff. I didn't know how to do that. And they didn't send anyone to train us. They're like, oh, this engineer just bought Primavera. You have to set it up. And I'm like, Google, Google all day. Oh, yeah. I mean, I have no shame. I have no shame. What are you talking about? I used to think when I first started to learn how to code that everybody just they knew how they knew all the languages, knew all the rules, and they knew they could just figure it out. And they just looked at the code, and then they could just find a problem. That's it. Mm-hmm. And then when I realized that everybody just went to Stack Overflow <laughs> and these other forums that are out there, and they would just find somebody who had an issue in the past, they literally would have the same exact question. Mm-hmm. And then you're just looking at the question, and then you look at the answers, and that's it. What's the other I was one? Like, GitHub. Not yes. Yes. Get GitHub and its forms there. Yes. Any at this point, like even Reddit. You know, I used to use Reddit, and people would just. I mean, so people already know. I'm like, okay, so I don't have to work that hard. You know, you still gotta you have to understand the language, and in the same way, you kind of have to have a knack for getting and being able to work quickly with mm-hmm. technology and picking up relatively quickly because of your previous experience. Which, might, which is why you have to gain that experience, which is why I suggest going on Upwork and just applying for those jobs and just trying to get your name out there and get the experience level. Because then when you're, you know, in the coding world, if you're transferring languages, some some of the same rules will transfer over. Mm-hmm. They work together, they, you know, and it can help you if you're trying to learn a new language. Even like a physical, like an actual spoken language works the same way. You know, okay. if you're going from, um, I'm Muslim, so... Arabic to Spanish is actually really similar and they have a lot of words that are similar. I mean, it just, it helps you be able to pick up things uh, really fast. Yep. I do want to throw out a warning to everyone. Do not go out and blindly Google and use the codes that they provide. You do need to know a little bit because there are meanie heads out there and they will get into your system by saying, this is the right code, it'll save you. And you paste it in and you apply it and then you've just gave them access to everything and they've hacked you. So don't blindly Google and go. You do need a little information. (laughs) Exactly. If we're talking about like tech installation, implementation, stuff like that, it could be a little easier. But you gotta, you just be careful because there's a lot of people. I mean, they they can hack the biggest companies in the world. They can they can hack my little MacBook. Exactly. <laughs> you, you have to be careful, and you do. That's why you still have to gain your own experience in figuring it out and learning this uh, side of the world. But the cool thing is, I don't use a lot of like hard languages. A lot of my stuff is like HTML, CSS, a little bit of JavaScript, you know, and that gets me. That's got me way farther than anything else when it comes to uh, most implementation of like marketing software, fulfillment software, sales software, customer service related software most of the time. You're not giving yourself enough credit because those languages are hard. I have been in (laughs) IT for 17 years and coding is my least favorite. I can do it and I can read it, but I just detest it I would pay someone double my salary like I would go work at McDonald's so I could afford 
someone to code for me. I do not like it. So you're not giving yourself enough credit for being able to just do it. Oh my goodness. I love coding. I loved it. It's like, (laughs) I loved it. Cause to me, it's just like, everything's like a puzzle to me. Mm -hmm. So coding feels like the same way. And like, I don't know, I guess when I picked up like the basic rules of it all, I'm like, oh, okay, so this is just, blah, blah, blah. you just put it together. And then I'm like, yay. And then you, I can see it works in real time or if it doesn't. That's what I really like, honestly. I can see if it's actually going to work right now in front of me. I can run the script and if it does it, then we're good. If it doesn't, if it doesn't, then I use something's wrong. And sometimes, you know, whatever editor you're using might be able to tell you, or if not, and you go in the hard way, you can still kind of just figure it out. I don't know. It's something about it I, I enjoy. So It definitely takes a, a certain brain because my husband loves it too. But I'm like, nope. It's just not my not my my, my forte. <laughs> so I gave everyone advice about not blindly copying people's code and demolishing everything. What is the best advice you have received? Ooh, that I've received? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I think the best advice I ever got was it wasn't just to do what you love, but it was like, do what you can ma- maintain. Um, and what I, what I, what they meant by that is, I think one of the mistakes like some entrepreneurs will do is we all want to do our passion. You should do what you love. You do what you love. But if you don't set it up right, like you may end up hating your passion. Mm -hmm. And so the person I was talking to who said that, they kind of, they were kind of in that position. Like they stopped liking their passion. They they closed their business. They let time go by and then they ended up falling back in love with their passion. But they they went into business for something totally different. Mm -hmm. And they kept that separation because they wanted to just love what they love to do just because they loved it and that was it. And so instead, they gained a lot of discipline to be able to do something that they like, do something that, you know, is, is moral, it's ethical, it's legal, it still helps people and they enjoy it, but it may not necessarily be their passion, but they do it so they have the freedom to really be truly in love with their passion. And they're, it's, they're not depending on the passion to feed them. Because when you're dependent on something to feed you, you're dependent on something to feed your family, there's a lot of intensity, a lot of pressure behind it. And it was really interesting because it goes against a lot of what you hear nowadays. And But I like it because I, I get it. I really do get it. One of the things that I love doing is just sitting by the lake, reading. I absolutely love that. The quiet of it all. You know, you hear the birds, you're outside. I enjoy it. I enjoy kayaking. I enjoy water sports. I enjoy um, uh, cave diving. I enjoy all these kind of little adventurous stuff. I absolutely love it. I would never want to make a business out of it. At all. Because I want to continue loving it. I I don't want to have to depend on it to live and and to feed myself, that means I have to keep showing up and I have to keep doing this. And I ha- it, once you put that pressure behind it, I think it changes everything. Yeah. And it, it, um, it makes life so much more stressful. And you, you second guess yourself and all that. The se- I'm a big fan of separation in that way. 
So it, it, it was interesting advice. I'm like, hmm, that's way different than what I hear. But it, at least for me, it makes a lot of sense. It really does. And one of my husband's friends, he he makes fun of me that I want to monetize everything. Like I talked my husband into starting a Twitch channel. He likes to play video games and mm-hmm. I didn't do it so that he will monetize it. I did it because I know him and he only wants to do things if he's feeling productive. And mm. so oh. he would spend a little bit of time playing games, but then in the back of his head, he's like, I should be doing this. I should be doing that. You know, I'm not, I'm not providing, I'm not helping the family, whatever. So now, even though it's not monetized, that gives him what he needs to be able to stop and relax and enjoy himself. So. Wow. It, it was funny when I told him that, when I was like, you, because the games he plays is like Ark and Minecraft. And now there's a green hell. He's really into that, but it's all Mm -hmm. you have to craft to keep going. And it's all productive based. And I like like, Mario Brothers and Mario Kart and you know the stuff where it's just nonsense but I'm like I think you just feel like you have to be productive and that's the only way you can relax which boggles my mind but I have way more boxes open than he does so maybe that's why (laughs) but um Anyway, his friend always jokes that I try to monetize things, but I really don't want to because of what you said. And I love the way that was worded, that you need to do something that you can maintain because you're right. If you love kayaking, but you get to the point where you have to go kayaking, even if your muscles hurt from the day before, or you out overdid your arm workout or you're getting over a cold, but you have to be there. Yeah, you resent that. It takes the fun out of it. Yeah. What you just said is so thoughtful. <laughs> that is so thoughtful. I, I was like, that is like incredible because it's really small, but it's like really like, um, I mean, it solves that problem. Mm-hmm. And it's like thinking for the other person. That's what I mean, thinking for the other person. You know, he wants to be productive, and but he he's a human so he needs to relax and have things that are just for him it's like okay start a channel and eventually it'll get monetized but all the real point is i want you to feel productive but also still relax and in your mind this is productive then it works you know to you as in you dina it may not matter that much but it's all about him feeling that he's doing something that works and and that does what he feels is, is productive and helping his family. So that's extremely thoughtful. It like kills both two, two, two birds with one stone. Um, well, I appreciate that, but it's actually selfish because if he <laughs> works too much, he's, he's just like anyone else. You get overworked. You're kind mm. of a dick. So <laughs> I found out a way that he can get his R&R and he can do mm-hmm. his fun things. And therefore he shows up better for everyone, including myself. Really so you. I looked at it as selfish, but thank you for thinking I'm thoughtful. <laughs> I, I don't see why I can't be both. You know, like yeah. self-interest is natural to humans, right? Mm-hmm. And so ultimately, everything you're kind of doing in life, is there's a lot of self-interest. Very few things are truly for the other person. 
um, only, only. And even down to most religions, whatever, whether it's Abrahamic religion, whether it's whatever spirituality, one of the key things is giving charity and doing for others, but it's doing that so you can receive an award from whoever you consider to be your creator and your God. Mm -hmm. And that means it's not really charity for charity's sake. I'm just being honest with you. It's, it's, It's not for strictly the sake of the other person because you're constantly have the understanding that you will get rewarded for what you do mm-hmm. so it's self-interest it's self-interest but at the same time it's helpful you know i can if i see something you know is happening to somebody else and i'm helping them i know i'm going to get rewarded for that anyway but does that mean what i did for them wasn't helpful no so it's selfish to you it may strictly be selfish i think of it as thoughtful and he might think of it as thoughtful if he understands the real motive behind you doing that. Because does it still help him have the R&R that he needs? Yes. Does it still allow him to feel like he's doing something productive? Yes. Does it still allow him to still show up and be the, as much as possible the best husband for you as possible? Yes. So it's a win-win-win across everybody. And that one of those wins is for Dina, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm fine with that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> if if he didn't know, he will now because he is one of my biggest fans. He listens every time. So. Hi, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. So you told us you like reading and I always want to know what book are you reading? Oh, my goodness. I, I know this isn't the video, but I wish I could show y'all. One of the books I am uh, reading is called uh, The Guide to Investing by Robert Kiyosaki because I want to be able to invest my money so that way I'm not always doing what I'm doing right now Mm -hmm. because that's one of my goals there. I am also, there's one book that I just got done reading. If I can find it, it's up here. While you're Uh, looking, I have to ask, are those categorized by color? They are. (laughs) It's so pretty. (laughs) Thank you so much. They they are. (laughs) <laughs> and I love it so much. I can't find I'm, it must be out somewhere because I don't see it. I always got books out somewhere. But there was another book that I was reading and it's called it's actually a fantasy book. It's a fiction book. It's called A Court of Roses. Mm-hmm. I believe A Court of Roses. That is purely for my personal benefit of reading fiction. <laughs> it, it because I used to listen a lot to people who would say, like, only read nonfiction books or, you know, case study based books, business books and everything. And I remember growing up, I loved reading just for reading sakes. I would read anything. And I was like, you know what? I got to take a break from the business, 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 business. I'm like, nope, we're going to read this little fantasy science based book. And I don't care about learning a lesson. I just want to know while the lady is running away from some dragons or something, whatever's going on. I mean, that's all I really care about. Yeah, so I, I like that book. And it's it's a nice read at night, just to, just for fun. Just something for fun. I love that you brought that up because I know a lot of people now are just like consume all the business and self-help and, you know, do all that. But I have to do it too. I just finished, it's called Under the Whispering Door. And it is Ooh. like, a YA romance, but it's young, young adult. So it's not really romance, but it's actually this 
I got like a Tim Burton-y vibe and um, it, it's about death and, and oh, wow. moving on. Yeah. So it was just this really cool, fun detachment from the real world escape book. And sometimes you just need it. Oh, absolutely. And I love that. Because we focus too much. When you're in business, you focus too much on the business that you're in and the entre- and grinding and hustle and getting to the next level. And I'm like, I, I don't know. Again, this may be a difference between like um, men and women, but I need the break. I need the, the separation. I need the separation at some point because especially because I work from home. So I have my desk over here. I have my background here it's for like all my content and everything, mm-hmm. um, my bookshelf and all that. And that takes up quite a bit of room in my home. And that means these are my workspaces. And at some point, I just need this to be my home that I just live in, that I can just be. And I'm just Kadira, not the systems implementation engineer, you know? Yes. Yep, I have my one room in the basement that is my office. And as soon as I leave that, it's like I I was like used and abused in one of my positions and they taught me how to set harsh boundaries. So as soon as I leave that door, work is I it's just dumped out. It's like there's a vacuum and it sucks all that out of my brain as I leave the room. So it's good to have those boundaries. Oh, absolutely. Like I need to, I think the next home that I ever move into, I want to get one that has either multiple bedrooms, um, enough, like one that I could just make into an office mm-hmm. or some space, like a closed off space that has a door and the door yeah. gets shut. And like, no, the door is shut and I'm inside of it. I'm working. The door is shut and I'm outside of it. Don't talk to me. Yeah. If, if you're ladies and business, I'm like, I'm not working right now. That separation is so, I mean, that could be its own episode, to be honest. Oh, for because sure. Because it's, it's, it's about that, create, it's really creating a system for yourself to be productive and to be present in the moments of your life. Yes. Because everything is a system from your morning routines to how you do anything to how you bake a cake. Everything is a process, but it's in different fields. It's in different like areas, if you will. There's the yeah. business stuff that's obvious, but then there's the the home stuff. There's the personal stuff. There's the physical, emotional, how you deal with, you know, think hard files and everything. It's also a system. It's a process. Setting correct boundaries in between those areas is important, especially for your relationships, especially if they kind of intertwine. Like if yes. you, um, you work with a spouse, you work with a sister, you work with a cousin, like at one point, you know, do you separate the business conversations from just the, the family conversations from just the, you know, the relationship conversations and they don't have, you know, do you, they always intermix? Do you always have to talk about business or can you just talk about, you know, whatever happened, you know, on the road. And even if it's like little small talk, like that's, it's healthy to just, let's just not talk about ROI and revenue and, Let's talk about this really cute movie that I want you to let me sit through and I'll sleep while we're watching the movie, but <laughs> I want to be there. <laughs> right. And I just want I just want that to happen. So don't judge me. Just let it happen, you know. Yeah. No, that's definitely crucial. And I do work with my husband, so there are boundaries. You really get it. 
Yes, I yeah. totally get it. I actually talked extensively on one of the episodes. Her name is Kara Dennison. We talked a lot because she says that she's um, double married because they're married Ooh. and then they have business together. So it's like they're married twice. <laughs> Mm. so talking about having that separation is crucial to keeping a relationship going I have always wondered if if I would ever want that like to be in relationship with my spouse because I'm not I'm not married and I'm like that makes me think about who I actually choose to marry a bit because I'm like do I want them to be an entrepreneur and then eventually we we intersect because we're both doing the same thing Mm -hmm. Or do I want that real separation? And it's like, you know, this is my thing. And I just want to be your wife. And I just want you to be my husband. <laughs> like, that's right. Because I've seen what happens when it mixes too much. Mm-hmm. And there are no boundaries. And then now you're really partners in just the sense of the word. You know, but you're not spouses. You know, right. you're not husband and wife. You're business partner and business partner. And I don't care for the whole marriage is a business. I mean, I get it, but that's most people aren't really trying to do that type of business when they're getting married. It's just not right. realistic. Um, it's, it seems difficult, in my opinion, to really like, maybe, maybe I shouldn't say difficult. I think it requires more in terms of communication and, and actually setting those boundaries. I should say that. Yes, 100% you are accurate. <laughs> So if you're marrying someone that you have a hard time communicating with, I do not recommend, well, first of all, marrying them, but going into business with them. Oh, absolutely. All righty. I have loved our conversation, Kadara, and I need to know how I can get a hold of you and how everyone else can get a hold of you and potentially work with you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. If you want to ever work with us, learn more about systems, you can go to our website called succeedingwithsystems.com. That's systems with the S at the end. We have all types of memberships. We have different templates and worksheets and just ways to help you learn how to install systems and technology in your business. So that way you can grow and have more time and have more lifestyle freedom, which is the time freedom and the financial freedom. Live the lifestyle that you want. Awesome. Now, what if they want to reach out to you personally? They're like, I think we are bestie material. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. If you want to reach out to me personally, you can actually uh, DM me on Instagram. Kadira S. Muhammad just as a sound. And I will not just as a sound. You probably need to read it. But I am the only Kadira Muhammad. So you will find me more likely than not. And just find me on Instagram. Let me know what you're looking for. And we can take it from there. Awesome. And you got to tell me, what did you say your mom is going to school for right now? My mom is learning to be like a cloud engineer, I think. Or oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. She used to do that. She's actually um, into learning Python right now and to be a data analyst. You yeah. have the best inspiration. I need to talk to oh, your yeah. mom. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. You know, it's funny. She came up here for the weekend um, and so we hung out. And she's like, yeah, you know, I was learning about cloud engineering and working with Amazon, SWS, and all that. But, you know, I think I just want to learn, lean into being like a data analyst. And so I'm learning Python, and I really like it. And I was like, you mean Python the language? She's like, yeah, I really, I'm, it's pretty easy. Uh, <laughs> See, that's where you got um, your humbleness from. <laughs> apparently. 
apparently. Like, yeah, just on the side, I'm learning completely new computer languages and completely changing the trajectory of my life in my 50s. It's cool. Oh, absolutely. Because why not? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's her life. Let her do. No. <laughs> Let her do what she wants to do. Exactly. <laughs> absolutely. Alrighty. Thank you again so much, Kadira. This was an amazing episode and I am so grateful that you came on. Thank you so much, Nina, for having me. And I really hope this uh, conversation was great for your listeners. For sure. All right. You have a great night and a great weekend. Thank you. All right. Bye. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you had as much fun as I did. If you liked this, please rate, review, and subscribe to ensure that you can more easily find me in the future. Thank you again. Bye. We got the right stuff. We put the hammer right down. Wanna be live?